Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life as a, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. To say that the world has changed over the last hundred years or so could quite possibly be the understatement of all time. I mean, the rapid evolution of technology has literally transformed the way we as humans see, feel, and interact with the world around us in virtually every conceivable way. It's reached a point, in fact, in which human life and living and our collective existence is actually starting to blend deeply into digital realms not seen or experienced to this point. And the difference between these two worlds is increasingly more and more difficult to discern. Some may be ringing alarm bells for how this level of tech could be used in nefarious ways. Others are ecstatic over the possibilities of what this could all mean to the advancement of culture, art, and the redefining of the human experience. Well, on today's show, we have a guest who is part of a front that is leading the charge into this new and altered reality. Welcome to the show. So Sarah Giusto is a producer artist at Owl Inc., a Tokyo-based firm specializing in the production of virtual humans. Yeah, you heard that right, virtual humans. And the company and their projects crisscross between art, culture, and commerce. IMA, the firm's flagship model, is also Japan's first virtual model. With her easily identifiable and signature pink bob, she's collaborated with top artists and brands. Ima is Asia's number one influential virtual human, and her actions have led to her being selected one of the women of the year in 2020 by Forbes Women, and one of the Japan representatives for the Tokyo Paralympics opening ceremony. Now, in being part of such a unique offering, Sarah finds herself busy with PR, content strategy, and speaking at various international events and locations such as ComplexCon and MIT, to note a couple. As for Sarah herself, with an upbringing defined by formative experiences in both Japan and Canada, and a resultant heightened sensitivity and awareness to the world around her, this role in producing virtual humans for the metaverse aligns well. So with all that stated, Sarah, I mean, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the show. How are you doing? Doing good. Thank you. That was amazing intro. Said <laughs> <laughs> it way better than me as anytime. Well, I've been super excited for this talk. I mean, like just the whole premise of what you do, what the company you work for does. I mean, it just sort of like blows me away. And I think, you know, I'm excited for it for myself, but I'm also excited for listeners to kind of just hear this for the first time if they have no idea about any of this, because I think it's just going to blow everybody's mind. So yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking some time and coming on today. Thank you. It is I think mind boggling. <laughs> I mean, I tried, like, I get asked all the time, it's like, what's your job, right? Like, at a dentist yeah. or something. Like, I take, like, it's like, at least give me 30 minutes to explain what I do. Cause like, you're not <laughs> exactly, going to understand right? if I, say I make virtual humans. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I do. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, without further ado, why don't we just jump right into it here? Uh, I do have the first segment lined up, and it's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And it's basically a segment where I just kind of try to add some zest to some otherwise dry definitions of what professions or industries are about. And also, too, I think it's like a nice launching pad into the discussion. Sometimes these definitions that I read off from Wikipedia, they hit and they're on. And other times they're just flat out off, right? So 
I do have a bit of bad news, though, unfortunately. And strangely enough, Wikipedia does not have an entry for a, a virtual human producer. I don't know. I don't know if you believe that or not, but who would have thought? But I did a little bit of internet sleuthing here, and I did come up with like a general enough definition of producer from a career website, ipa.co.uk. So I'm just going to go with that. And uh, just let me read that off for you. And maybe afterwards you can comment. Does that sound okay? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Producer. The producer is responsible for taking the agreed creative idea and bringing the client's wishes to life on air and or on screens and on other channels. This role requires strong TV film craft and combines big ideas and creative problem solving. The producer is aware of emerging and current talent to engage the best suppliers for each project. They manage the entire production process from idea to execution, working in partnership with the client, creatives, account team, and manage the production and post-production process. They also manage the budget for each project and negotiate with the pre- and post-production companies. A bit of a mouthful, but uh, first take, what do you think of that? I think it fits the general definition of producer. Um, I think it's just like what I do at the company. And this has been questioned every day in my company as well. It's like, what do you put on my business card? You know, I think because it's also a startup, you know, it's only been in existence for like three years. We're still building a lot of things. And it's like, I joined when the team was only like five people. And now it's literally like 50 people. And at that point, you know, when it's only like five people, you're literally doing everything that you already don't have people for. Right, so, yeah, right. I think the general definition of producer is a part of what I do. You know, for example, like I would literally, you know, look over budgeting. I would look over the creatives. I would look over how that's going to be executed. But that's literally like, I think, a cake slice of what I actually do. And what what I think, would like, you add to it? I would add everything. Um, literally everyone, <laughs> right. literally nice. people in my company call me like Nandemoya, which is yeah, like yeah. everything person. Just because I've been under every single department. I've done business, I've done business meetings, I've done estimates to clients, I've been on a commercial set, I've done everyday posts for our virtual humans, I've done captions, I've been a photographer, I've been a model. It's I've I think I've literally done every single thing under yeah, yeah. company. So I think everything would fit up better but that doesn't exist so i mean yeah (laughs) what would take the most amount of your time right now say right now i think uh, mostly foreign international relations for example things like this or talking at mit or going to la to set up complex con which was two months ago and do a whole booth and talk to people and give like talks there and stuff like that i think would be my main priority right now. Yeah, well, it's probably reflective of where the company's going. Like you just mentioned, what, three years sure. ago, you launched it with mm. five employees. And now you're up to about 50 or so. I mean, that Thank sort of speaks know. to the growth for one. And I guess, yeah, the interest in in everything that you guys are doing right now. So certainly, yeah, they're going to need a spokesperson for that and uh, someone to, to take up that charge. Okay. Sure. All right. Well, it sounds exciting. I you know, like I've had a lot of guests on the show, of course, and one of the commonalities, especially in this segment too, we always seem to uncover is that like when you're wearing a bunch of different hats, like in doing all these different types of tasks, of course, the stress levels are there, you know, obviously, but also too, like the levels of enjoyment and fulfillment also start to go up too, I think. You get involved with all these different elements and you can start mm-hmm. to, I don't know, 
take a different level of, uh, like I said, enjoyment. Is that accurate? I mean, is that fit for you? For or? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been kind of crazy over being bored with work all my life. I've just been changing and changing. I think it's my fifth year working after I graduate university. And this is like my fifth company, which is like, <laughs> like I've been changing every single year, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, with the work I do, just because I do everything, I come into the office and I literally don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I could be wearing a motion capture suit. I could be having, I could be talking to like one of the top brands of the world. I could, it's crazy. And I think it fits with my personality because like, I just really don't like doing one thing all day. So it's perfect. Yeah. 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 I can appreciate that. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, you know, in this program as well. I mean, that's kind of the joys of doing this is like encountering people and meeting people like yourself that are doing all these interesting things. And you're always like learning. You're always kind of like pushing boundaries, which is great. And I can definitely appreciate that sentiment that mm. you're uh, sharing there. Okay. Well, what would be like, this might be a difficult question considering what you just told me, but would you even have like a typical day or week? I don't know, <laughs> month maybe? Or is it just so varied that it's impossible to say? I guess a typical, I mean, like, for example, this year, we've spontaneously flew to like three countries, the US four times inside wow. of that. And I think all of these have been decided like, I think the longest was like a month before. No way. No <laughs> like, way. Like, I don't even know where I'm going to be next month. Right now, even. Um, yeah. But I think a normal day in Japan where there's nothing crazy going on, I would maybe have like two or three meetings. Maybe half of those would be international. So okay. maybe it'll be at Zoom or I will go somewhere to meet them. But it, we will mostly be like an English person, um, yeah. whether they're interested in partnerships or I just want to make connections and stuff like that. And the other half would be a more internal meetings uh, where we just plan contents or, mm. you know, plan, Hey, we should approach this media or we don't really reach out from inside a company, which is I think most interesting thing about our company is like everything comes from the outside. Like we get like tons of emails every single day from like top brands and like everything. So like, I'm literally sitting here like waiting for the next email. Like, okay, let's set up a meeting. Like I'm literally not searching by myself, wow. which is, I guess. That's a unique experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's also why I don't know what's going to happen today. You know, I don't know who's yeah. going to email me. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Sounds mm. super exciting. I can kind of like pick up on that. Like just even how you're just describing it right now, like the tone of your voice as well as kind of showing that too. So like. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like an exciting company to be working for. And then also too, like just as an individual within a place like that. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's challenges and there's stressful moments, but overall, yeah, it sounds exciting. Okay. <laughs> it is, it awesome. Is. I think it paints a really nice picture though for people too. Hmm. Um, maybe we could jump into a different segment here though, actually, Sarah, something called Pathways. And this is a segment, it's kind of like, it highlights this, well, this, this idea that like, we don't always find our way into our present work by this linear straight line, right? Oftentimes there's like left-hand turns, there's zigging and zagging, you know, roundabouts, everything, you name it. And uh, I think it's inspirational for one, like for listeners to kind of hear that. And it's kind of like, it's fun, I think, for guests as well to kind of like look back and, to, you know, trace their, their footsteps and how they ended up where they are right now. And, uh, you know, in terms of your background, I find like what you're doing incredibly compelling and outside of even just the work that you're doing within the company, like, I mentioned this lightly off the top that you grew up, you had formative experiences within two different cultures, obviously Japan and Canada. Um, you have background in art. Obviously, you, you found your way into business now as well. 
you know, maybe you could uh, share a little bit more about your backstory a little bit and how you ended up where you're in. For sure. I think in the end, it all made sense. But I think when I was starting, I would never have imagined myself to be in the company. I think I didn't right. even know that a company like this existed. You know, right? like, It probably so, didn't. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we wouldn't have, right? We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think looking back, it actually all makes sense, which is kind of strange to me. But, you know, I was born in Japan and then I moved to, I guess, actually Hawaii for a year and then to Canada for nine years, which was all of my teenage years from like eight years old to 18. So I think that's kind of where I built my identity, you know. And after that, I decided to go back to Japan by myself to university. And at that time, I actually wanted to be an artist, which is strange to think now, which I still pursue personally. But I think I had no imagination of what kind of jobs there were, you know. And I think Mm. when you're like, kind of premature you're like okay baker artist you know writer there's like yeah. all these things you see it's like a half a dozen to a dozen exactly yeah for sure yeah, right yeah. i'm like okay i'm gonna be an artist like that's the thing because <laughs> i loved drawing like that's all right. i did all my life it's yeah. all i excelled at in high school as well so i went to an art university in japan um mm-hmm. i'm like i'm gonna paint the greatest picture i'm gonna go to a gallery and stuff like that <laughs> but as yeah. i entered because i could speak english and I also kept my native tongue of Japanese. There were not that many people that was bilingual, first of all, in Japan. And I think in a younger environment and also in the art industry as well. So I was like a very rare figure. And I was, also, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. there's no one. And I was kind of very outgoing. So I was like talking to all these people. And then like opportunities just found me. Like in university, I was working at like NPOs doing artist in residencies or working as an assistant to a class that taught like more like English um, related things. So I had, I went to the States because of this Japanese grant that like picked these J- Japanese universities to become like friends with U.S. universities. So I like toured around the U.S. and all of its art universities. And like all these things came at me just because I sp- spoke English. And I think that led me to discover jobs outside of just being an artist you know, right. there were like curators, there were like managers and all these things like that. This is so interesting, you know. And so I went to that way, I think after university. I did several things. I did an NPO. I created my own artist in residency um, with like 20 plus people from international artists coming to Japan, staying at my residency and making works. And then I did a gallery curation job at Ultra Super New. That's kind of where I knew Mark. Um, that you interviewed before but then COVID hit and then the gallery I was working at was closed I went to basically Ultra Super News SNS team which was dealing with clients and their uh, Instagram accounts basically so there I was kind of doing similar things to where I'm doing now where I'm taking pictures for like Lululemon or Dr. Dre and things like that it was kind of the first time I was doing all those things but it was still in the creative realm which was I enjoyed yeah 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 And then I came to this thing by surprise, actually, when I was doing the creations for the gallery, I, for International Women's Day, I curated this, not an exhibition, but it was more like a gallery talk where some of the female artists were showing on the walls, but then I needed, I wanted to do a talk. And at that time, coincidentally, Ultra Super New, which is an agency, was looking to use EMA for one of their pitches. So that's kind of where I knew about Ema. I didn't know anything about him. And I was looking for people to join the talk. And one of the creators of Ema is a female. 
woman named Yumi. She's amazing. So I invited her. I had I never met her before. I was like, "Can you come? Can you do some cool stuff?" And then I, you know, I invited her. I was translating at that time because I'd done everything under the sun. I'm like, I'm gonna just translate for my own talk. Yeah. Um, because there were English speakers, Japanese speakers, and then she came up to me later. She's like, "Hey, you do amazing translations." And that's where it started, which was really weird, you know. Um, yeah. It was like we're doing some, inter- like you know, we're expanding to international projects, and you know, our CEO doesn't speak English. I I speak it, but I don't translate. Like, can you translate for some of the projects? And I'm like, sure. So I did like freelance um, several times a week, <laughs> and that's where it started. And then they invited me to work. So I've I've literally found myself here randomly and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like, I, yeah, I don't know, like randomly, like I can definitely see that side of it, but also too, like it sounds like to me, like you just put yourself out there so many different times and so many different like unique right. sort of like settings, like over and over again <laughs> in, in, yeah. in the best possible way that it just probably like attracted people to, to, to what you were doing and got them curious and... You know, I'm sure that was part of it too, but uh, I realized that now it's kind of weird where it's like, I I read so many of these inspirational quotes, like just be yourself and your track things and stuff like that. But I think it's true. I was just just being myself. I was saying yes to everything, everything under the sun that interested me. And one of them and one of them, one of them just led to where I am now. So It's funny you say that because I just had a guest on last week, actually. Um, or uh, an episode that came out and that was one of her pieces of advice and she was further oh. along in her career but it was just like just that it's like saying yes to as many things as you can especially the younger you are like as you progress through your career maybe you might sort of like tone that back a little bit but like early on just like yes 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 and just you kind of figure it out along the way and just opportunities just like blossom out of all of that so I totally agree like I always think I'm the most stupidest person in the room I'm like I don't know anything like, I'm just going to say, yes, I'm going to just listen to everything. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah you don't know your destiny. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the universe knows better than you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally buy into all that stuff, too. All the, all those corny, inspirational things, too. I think there's a, there, there is some hidden wisdom in, in some of them, at least. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go that far. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's jump on over into a new segment here. We kind of just continue this back. It's the Q&A discovery. And I think this might be a nice point to transition into the company that you are working for right now, Al. Hmm. And uh, and as far as some of the like the the service offerings, and we, you've mentioned a couple of times, I have as well, the virtual human, probably the most famous one, Ema, which is if people are watching this talk, they'd be able to see her in behind you right now at the Pink Bob. Um, if you could describe the company, there you go. There she is. Yeah. Describe the company, describe her a little bit and uh, bring everybody up to speed if you don't mind. For sure. So the company's name is Al. It started um, with the creation of Ema, actually. The CEO is a very creative mind. He was a film producer before. Um, still is. He did like Jaden Smith's music videos in Tokyo. He did like some contemporary art stuff like Sophie Cal from Perkin Gallery, like hijacking the Shibuya Scramble with contemporary art basically so like a lot of these big like interesting projects he's been behind of as a creative and our co-founder owns one of the biggest cg companies in japan and they've done like realistic cgs behind for example final fantasy series or bringing back a dead singer back to life which is a misora hibari and then doing a whole like live concert with this dead cg singer but she looks super real kind of thing um so kind of like when these two met and they've done several works together before, but then they were all thinking about like creating a new IP that they could own 
that they could literally have every single freedom behind, you know, because when you own an IP, you're not working just for any other brand or working under, you know, the market influence. You're literally, you have your own brand that you can do anything with, right? And so that was kind of the start of Ema, where the creative was behind the, uh, the CEO and the co-founder basically did the technology side. So it was like art meets technology, boom, Ema. And then they literally threw her out on the internet, like posted some IG pictures, Twitter photos. And I think it blew up instantly. And then they were like, okay, let's make a company. So it was literally like one of the experiments that they did that kind of blew up. But that was really early in the days of virtual humans overall, which was around like three years ago. Um, At that time, no one knew what virtual humans were. I think now it's a little bit more familiar with people in the field. There's like K-pop stars that's like being virtual humans. And there's like a lot of different virtual humans coming from every single place in the world. But yeah, at that time, people saw her and they were like, what is this? You know, so at that time, we got like, more than 8,000 organic coverages of just her, you know, like, and every head was like, you know, she's not real. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's hard to tell again, like if, if people are just listening to this, I certainly encourage them to go watch <laughs> the video for this and go check out some of the images and you know, go to, go to our Instagram account. Right. I'll have the links in the show notes to check it out. Cause yeah, like if you had no idea of this conversation right now, you would not know. I'll put it out there. Like you would not know at all. And uh, and to speak to this point of her blowing up, I mean, I was just researching before this, like mm. I think on, well, you'd be able to tell me if this is correct or not. It's probably even bigger than this, yeah. but in terms of followers on Instagram, oh, yeah. over 400,000, nearly sure. half a million on TikTok right now for Ema. Right. Is that, that's right. Yeah. yeah like, and I think all the channels combined, including like these like yeah. other, um, like Zepeto or like Chinese apps, I think it's for her only, it's like 1.6 million. And for, for all our virtual humans combined, we have like around like six, um, it's three million. So I think people are very, it's it's interesting because like many of the people that follow her think she's actually real. Yeah. So when I, when yeah. I meet people, they're like, where's Ema? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Cause it's not just like photos as well. Like I, I went to the Instagram account as well. And like, yeah. you have the videos as well of her in there. And then, yeah. you know, the comments as well, like her replying back and, you know, they're to, all confused. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome though. But I can see like definitely the intrigue, the level of intrigue and, and what that would do. And uh really interesting. And it's an interesting point too that you raise it, like how maybe in the beginning, like people were sort of like shocked, I don't know, in awe, oh, yeah. surprised, I don't know. But then yeah. now, over the course of the last three years or so, like that reaction now, like maybe for some people who don't know about this virtual human influencer mm. sort of like segment within advertising within that market. They'd still be surprised, but for others, they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like it kind of speaks to that point of like where we're at with all of this and with technology. It's really, really interesting if you stop and reflect on that, at least for me. For sure. sure. I think people are getting more and more used to virtual identities in general. You know, I always refer to, for example, like a Kardashian show, right? Or like um, Hype House or Terrace House, even in Japan, right? Like these realities are all made up. Yeah. Um, same as kind of like how even my Instagram or your Instagram maybe is a little bit more prettier version of or like curated version of my life. right? So who's to say like all these realities that we see as realities, you know, they're fake, yeah. but yeah. they're also real. Right. So I think when we're when our realities, especially during COVID, too, um, and also if you have like international friends, like all you see about them is their stories, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind That's of really feel like. 
Yeah. And then I meet people after like three years and it's like, I feel like I've met you every single day because I see you on my story. Right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Same goes for Ima, you know, like people don't really care anymore if she's a CGI or if she's fake or real, whatever you want to call it. It's like, it's one of the people you follow on Instagram that yeah. you enjoy seeing. It's literally, yeah. it's, there's yeah. no difference between her and many other virtual uh, virtual people. Um, which includes you and me. So yeah, you nailed it there. And it's 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 an angle I never would have considered until like you just sort of brought that up. And I think it, it really ties it together. It makes it like that divide, like less of a divide, almost like it's like we're the same, one and the same in that sense. Like, For right? Sure. It isn't that difference between what we're doing and uh, you know, what Ema is doing. So yeah, that's really cool. I like that. In terms of like her and her projects, I know like you she's mentioned or you'd mentioned that she's worked with some big brands and you know, various interesting projects. Maybe you could shed a little bit more light on that and just give a, a couple examples. For sure. So, so far, she's worked a lot as a model or an ambassador. Uh, for example, she's been an ambassador for Ikea, Porsche, BMW. She's modeled for almost every single fashion brand under the sun. Um, recently, we did Fendi, Diesel, some Chanel. And I think early on, we did a lot of Louis Vuitton, Burberry, and, you know, I think many of these brands were very interested <laughs> in using, I think, a high quality virtual human as well, because when you're using, you know, high fashion, you can't really have a face that looks like maybe like a Sims character or like a low right, yeah. face, right? but she looks super real. So I think that was one of our points when we were, you know, working with a lot of these brands that they, you know, they really like the 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 beauty yeah. that was produced and the quality. Yeah. Um, outside of just commercial things, you know, a lot of things that I was also passionate about was doing a lot of art projects. For example, recently she was an ambassador for Aichi Triennale, which was an art triennale in Aichi Prefecture in Japan. So she was one of the ambassadors beside like Kumakengo and things like that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was really interesting. Um, also, one of the bigger projects I was part of, I think last year, uh, we did an exhibition in Diesel Art Gallery, which is in Shibuya. It's this whole like beautiful space. I used to go there like every single month when I was in university. They contacted us, like, do you want to do an exhibition with Ima? We're like, mm. yeah. Um, and one of our ideas was that, because our CEO is very versed in the Japanese culture and art community as well. We invited 13 of his friends who are the contemporary artists to make works of Ima, mm. um, inspired by Ima. So Ima mm. wasn't actually... Well, we could say that Ima was there, <laughs> but basically there were like Japanese paintings of Ima, like wearing a kimono, like looking like one of those traditional Japanese paintings. Or we also had this artist called Jiro, who also does like Murakami's works as well, like Murakami or like Billie Eilish's, like when her face is split up or like Murakami's bigger, like himself, but as bigger um, sculptures. So he's one of the most, like, I think, special effects artists in Japan. And then we had a big Ima face, which is in our office right now. It's like a three meter, like, Ima head kind of thing. And when you look into the eyes, you can see Ima. There's like a screen behind it inside her eyes. And you can see, see her um, dancing to Dynamite by BTS, which was popular. <laughs> so I got to like... experience her to itself. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to work with 13 artists, which are very... A lot of people I also... Um, yeah, admire so probably. One of the most famous was Yoshida Yuni. Um, she's one of the most amazing creative directors. She did like um, Watanabe Naomi's... Um, works with her um, as well and yeah that was really fun for me <laughs> I 
that. I mean, I kind of returning to that that opening segment. Like, I can see how your your daily life or like work within this company is just so varied. And you know, to hit on some of these like interests that you hold yourself, and to kind of get to experience a lot of that in the work that you're doing. I mean, I could see the level of fulfillment just like, especially on certain days, just like blowing through the roof for you. Yeah, it's also also exciting. Yeah, I, I guess in terms of just to paint an even clearer picture for listeners right now, like when Ema is involved in a project, it's not just still images. You might have like the CG and a video. Is there any other way that she's being expressed? Like you just mentioned the art, but. Oh yeah, for sure. There's many, many different ways actually. So there's CG. There is real time CG as well, which is literally, there's many ways of creating Ema. Uh, one of them is actually real time. So, so usually CG, if you think of things like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, you know, it's post-production. You shoot something with these like green ass human and it turns into a dragon or something like that. What I'm saying is you can literally have Ema on the screen in real time. So no after touching up. So that's a new, new technology that we developed recently. So that means we can do like live streams with Ema now, which is one of the next things that we're going to um, continue to do. Um, another thing, aside from artworks, we've had Ema masks. Right. <laughs> um, if you Google um, Tokyo Fashion Week doublet, D-O-U-B-L-E-T, doublet is one of the brands in Japan. Um, we know the director behind it. And basically, there was a whole fashion runway where every single model, whether that be a man, a woman, also people in wheelchairs, um, people overweight. There was like a lot of diversity there, but everyone had an Ema mask and an Ema wig. And the Ema mask looked super realistic to the point where it's like, people are like, wait, what, what's going on? You know, like people couldn't tell it was a mask. Yeah. Uh, people still can't. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was really fun where it's like, I saw like a physical Ema walking okay. down the runway, but then you can also call it Ema because like, you know, she's an entity that doesn't have a body in yeah. a sense. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's almost all the ways. Um, yeah, like as I, when I was introducing uh, introducing her off the top and and what she does and what the company does, like this blending of virtual and and reality, like it's becoming so immersive that it is getting harder and harder to tell, like discern these differences now, and it just makes it also fascinating to kind of like sit back and watch it all unfold. So yeah, yeah, super interesting stuff. Okay. Well, I understand the company itself, aside from like all the projects that you're involved with, is also involved in the research of virtual humans as well. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Research, for example, I think I think the thing with virtual humans is that we've only seen literally the first page of what yeah. virtual humans can do. And I think right now it's like, to put it very flatly, it's like being an influencer there's so much more. <laughs> I think we're still literally like being an influencer or being on Instagram. That's literally like a gist of what could happen. And I think we always talk about what could happen and we're always developing technology to allow that to happen. And the thing with virtual humans is that it fulfills one of the human's most prominent desire since ever which is transformation transforming to something i think it's prominent these days as well with plastic surgery or makeup or drag queens clothes fashion like everything that we do daily is to be the self that you want to be i think every single person in different forms you know and i think but 
as humans with physical bodies, there's always a limit. You know, there's always a limit to how much you can alter your body, even with hormones, you know. And, but, you know, looking at, you know, realities like the Matrix or Ready Player One, there is a possibility beyond the physical self, which is your digital self. And what that allows us to do, and what I'm so excited about when I talk about, you know, this in my company is like, you know, Ema allowed, for example, someone inside to be Ema. <laughs> and maybe, for example, like, for example, let's say I was Ema, I can say, love and peace on my Instagram, right? But let's imagine a virtual human looking like Ema saying love and peace on her Instagram. It's like a whole different way of amplifying your message. And I think, for example, if every single person in the world could have a virtual human looking like anything you want to be beyond your physical limitations, for example, an Indian boy can look like an old man. An old man can look like a BTS character, you know? There's so many possibilities. You know, like a mental health technician that looks like, you know, a typical technician can look like a BTS member and spread messages about mental health. You know, there's so much that we can do beyond just fashion, Instagram and everything that that we want to make possible. And that's why we're developing technology beyond just email um, that allows every one of us to be a virtual human. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of, I, I guess that sort of like speaks to this point, this tagline on your website that I, you know, found. It was like, we believe that virtual humans can change the world. And I think what you just said sort of like encapsulates that sentiment perfectly, right? You're, you're changing the relationships that people have with, with one another, with themselves, you know, like it, it allows for this to take place. And like you said, I mean, it's not just limited to just influencer marketing this is probably the tip of the iceberg if anything i mean i think in a couple years or a few tens dozens of years i think like virtual human would be something that we'll see every single day you know (laughs) yeah it's it's hard to argue with that it's really hard to argue that with you know with the metaverse with all these different things also evolving at the same time too i mean yeah it's it's interesting to to consider what what our world's going to look like in five years, let alone 10, 15 years. It's it's For hard sure. to hard to fathom. So and also exciting. Okay, well maybe we could skip on over into this middle segment, something called a watercolor story. And uh, here I just have you know guests indulge listeners with a story related to their profession. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have for us today. Right. Just any personal story. Yeah. Anything that's memorable that stuck out to you or sticks out to you right now? Or I mean. I always question what I do. And that's like, I think that brings a lot of emotions. Um, I think it's just very like personally, I think the reason why I love art and the reason why I'm sticking with this job so long is all the same. I think when my life's passion has always been art and the reason why I love art, or for example, when I look at art or why I go to museums every single week is that in life, I think I like to ask myself why, you know, For example, why does war happen? Why do we love each other? And I think when you look at an artwork, you always ask yourself, like, why did this painter paint this? And then you look at all the colors and you kind of think of an answer inside your head. When I looked at Ima for the first time in my life, I had one of the most strongest emotions because she looked so real to me that I felt so many things that was right and so many things that were wrong. For example, ethical questions, right? Over and all, I was like, why? You know, and I couldn't find an answer that I was satisfied with. I still can't, which 
I think for example, when I look at a painting, I can kind of figure out in like five minutes kind of what I think. About come it. to a conclusion at least where right? like this is where I think I sit yeah. on it. But, and then you yeah. move on to the next painting. Yeah. Yeah. And then with Ima, I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, what's yeah. going on? Like, what's up? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think I think that speaks to the point of like this level of intrigue that we were like chatting about earlier is that I think like that's what gets everyone, you know, quite frankly, is is that like if what you were just explaining right there is like exactly how I felt. And like you've been immersed within yeah. her world. And like for me personally, you know, I, I discovered her maybe a couple of months ago, I suppose. Yeah. And then I started researching for this and you know, lined up this talk and this, you know, yeah. researching for this conversation as well. But like all the while, while I was doing this research, I was just like, same thing. I would like look at her, the Instagram, I'd look at this, I'd read this article and same thing. You'd just be thinking about this. Like, what, what, what does this mean? Like, we, no, I, could, I still, same thing. I can't I come to a conclusion know. here, but like the level of intrigue is, is through the roof though. And it hasn't sort of dissipated, which is really interesting. Sure. And I always like, I think if you look at it from the outside, like I think a lot of my art friends would be like, you know, you left art for technology or things like that. But to me, it's like, it's literally the next form of art. Whereas yeah. if you look back at art history, like for example, like um, cave paintings, you would have like berries looking like cows, but then you would see a cow, you know what I mean? And then you mm -hmm. move on to like the later stage where like, you see Mona Lisa, it's still paint. But then you feel emotions from it. You literally see somebody. And I think the next stage after that is literally CG person looking so real and kind of mimicking life even to a sense that they're using the same platform that I as a physical human use, which is Instagram, and we're on the same page, literally. Like, it's kind of like me being inside a painting of Mona Lisa. So, like, to me, it's still continuation of art. And yeah, who's to say that's not art? Of course. For yeah. sure. So I think that's kind of the reason why I am so invested into this, because I still I think this is the the, the newest form of art that can beat every single contemporary art. You know, you created a life, <laughs> literally. Yeah. And that's one of the strongest, strongest emotions I feel every single day when I'm working. Mm -hmm. Kind of brings to mind like. And right now, of course, I'm sure you're being within the world of art and immersed within it, you'd be familiar with this too. I mean, like this whole controversy of like AI produced, you know, works of art, you know, it's it's integrating digital elements into it all. Sure. But again, like it's a reflection on society and where we're at and like the, the, the use of digital technologies, like it permeates our life. So like, how can anyone say like, this is at least my opinion, how can anyone say like some of these things are or are not art, you know, like it's, it's, it's part mm -hmm. of our life and our existence. So, and it's a reflection of the way we see things, the way we interpret the world, the way we're living our lives. So like, it sort of like fits in the, for me, at least it fits in this basket of like, well, I don't know. I mean, art, as you just sort of alluded to is, is continually evolving. And this is just like the next representation of it perhaps. So. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That's why I love when people question me about this. Cause I'm always like taking as myself as well, you know, like a lot of ethical questions, you know, I get from like a, like MIT or things like that. Like I'm so like, I'm so hyped up when I hear things like that. Cause I'm like me too. Like I'm also wondering. <laughs> well, maybe we can skip on over into this last segment here. So it's a crystal ball segment as the name implies. I mean, we're looking at the future trends, predictions, so on and so forth. And we're just kind of speaking about this point right now, but maybe we could return to this point. You touched upon it earlier. Like, in terms of the evolution of virtual influencers or this virtual uh, technology, where do you see it going outside of the world of, of influencer marketing? Do you have any insights on that or thoughts? To put it frankly, I think there'll be human 
in a sense that, for example, you know, even like humans are becoming digital, you know, like who literally knows if the Kardashians lives are literally what we see it as. Right. So what's to say that, you know, Ima, you know, when Ima was chosen as one of the influential women of the year that was really funny to me and i think in the future for virtual humans you know ima can literally be an opinion leader in a sense that you'll see like greta you'll see like emma watson and then maybe you'll literally see ima because i think there's a lot that ima can say about us you know she's a human that was created by humans and I think we're facing a lot of things like the virtual identity thing. We're thinking about, you know, like how we deal with media or like how mass media is changing into, you know, every one of us following different people. So now we have like different facts or things that we feel as facts or like even like fake news. You know, it's so interesting. There's fake news and just things like that. I think Ima is in such a weird position of between being between the real world and the virtual world, because I think she's not completely virtual, you know, because we perceive her to be on the same page as us. So I think she's literally the only entity that's in between those two worlds. And I think if you go too much on both ends, you know, we're not really, I think it's not relatable to this day and age, because like we're all like mushing everything together, all these realities. I think she has a lot to say about that. So I'm very excited for her to, you know, be somebody, not just a model you know, create her own thing. She's actually creating her new virtual fashion collection right now, which is kind of exciting for us. But beyond that, you know, I want her to lead a group of community, you know, and inspire people, which is mm-hmm. one of our goals. Yeah. 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 I mean, like it, the possibilities are endless. They literally are endless, right? Like social issues, you could get involved in those types of points or those types of things, you know, take up certain opinions or stances on particular issues, even political ones at some point, who knows? I mean, like, like that slate is, you know, it's, it's open. It's available for whatever you want to draw on it, you know? So I think uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to say the least. Yeah, like imagine her being a politician. That's like the most ethically weird. <laughs> thing you can imagine. But you never know. Like that's true. Maybe right? governments will be AIs and maybe they'll need a faith. So. <laughs> Well, I must say, I mean, this conversation, this time has just flown by. I can't believe we're already at like the 45 minute mark here, but uh, it speaks to, to, to volumes of all the insights that you've shared today. And like, it's just been such an enjoyable talk and I'm sure listeners are going to just be like eating up and loving all of it. So I thank you immensely for your time, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure. It's been amazing. I thank you for all the interesting questions. Well, for those interested in learning more about Sarah and, of course, Al, you can go to the website. You can also check out Ema on Instagram and TikTok. I will have all the links in the show notes. And, of course, too, if you like today's show, please be sure to share. You know, and stuff counts. It really does help a lot. And rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And the biggest thing I think to do today is to go over to that YouTube channel because you're going to want to see some of the imagery associated with this talk. I mean, we've referenced it a couple times, Sarah and I. But to really get a good feel for what we're speaking about today, you really need to see this. Uh, So, yeah, I encourage everybody to go over to YouTube. And if you do, I mean, you'll see. I just launched that channel last year. It needs a bit of love. Hit that subscribe button. It would mean a lot. And then finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.